How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Hastings Harvest Podcast. It's certainly been a while. This podcast is where I interview the most inspiring young minds, creators, and educators within their area of expertise and try to harvest how they go about their craft. Today, I'm joined by Pat McCauley, and Pat is a vegan triathlete and entrepreneur based in Boston, Massachusetts. He's most commonly known for his TED Talk, which is titled, A Plant-Based Diet Changed My Life. You may have seen it because it's now been viewed over one million million times. He now runs an all-vegan pub in Boston called Plant Pub, which is designed around the casual, laid-back vibes of a pub, but with a vegan spin which you rarely ever see. And he hosts a podcast, too, called Eat Green, Make Green Podcast. In this podcast, we talk about how a plant-based diet cured his asthma and arthritis, how to educate and influence people to adopt a plant-based diet, his favorite smoothie recipe that got him started to going plant-based, and and then towards the end, we talk about his entrepreneurship journey and his early entrepreneurial fails and the best way to start or succeed or both on your entrepreneurial journey. If you want to follow Pat, his at is eat green, make green on pretty much all social medias. And we'll also have some show notes that will be in the description of this video that'll be important for some resources. But with that all out of the way, Please enjoy this podcast episode with Pat. Pat, thank you so much for coming on the Hastings Harvest today. Really excited to get into your whole plant-based journey and entrepreneurial journey. I'm really happy that we were able to connect. I actually did not hear about you or most famously your, your TED Talk until we got connected by a mutual friend. So... It's it's a good coincidence. It's good timing. I'm happy to have you here. Thank you for doing this. And would you real quickly just give a little background on who you are and what you do right now for the listeners? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. First of all, Cole, excited to be here and appreciate you thinking of me. Um, yeah, I am Pat, Pat McCauley. I uh, am a Boston-based um, entrepreneur um, in the plant-based food space. Um, and most recently started Plant Pub, which is a 100% plant-based uh, pub food and craft beer concept here in Boston. Um, and that's uh, that's generally what I'm doing. I also host a podcast called Eat Green, Make Green, uh, where I talk about similar things that you probably talk about on here um, around health and specifically plant-based food, but also entrepreneurship and kind of like where wellness and entrepreneurship uh come together so that's more more or less what i'm doing these days sweet yeah i love the idea the concept of the plant pub and i definitely want to get into that i wish i had the opportunity because i think you know this that i visited boston a few weeks back with my friends because we were filming youtube videos at harvard asking harvard students some questions and interviewing them but unfortunately my friends have not yet, let's just say yet, to be optimistic, gone plant-based. And, you know, we I kind of had to, we, we had to compromise with a place that has both plant-based and non-plant-based food, which luckily is becoming more and more common now, which is awesome. But I'd love to talk firstly about your journey with veganism and how that came about and how it relates to your fitness journey. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So 
I was um, about 25, so like six years ago-ish now, um, when I sort of started asking uh, some bigger questions about the food I was putting in my body. Um, I come from an athletic background. I played college football and very much followed, you know, all through my playing days and even post college. And I was working like as a, as a trainer for a little while, um, right after college and, uh, was still very much in that kind of like football bodybuilding mindset. And, you know, kind of what I was always told my entire life, uh, whether it was a coach or athletic trainer or nutritionist or doctor, you know, especially as an athlete, it was all about protein and it was all about, um, you know, getting, getting X amount of protein per pound of body weight and eating, you know, protein after you work out and protein, the first, you know, thing you wake up in the morning. And uh, I was just so drilled into me as an athlete. And, um, back then and still today, you know, that means animal protein. Like really when we say protein, I think, um, 99% of people that means eggs in the morning, chicken for lunch and steak for dinner. Um, and that's really like what I followed and, and followed that after my football days as well. But I was like 25 and I just got to a point where I just found it like super hard to, you know, maintain how I wanted to look and feel. Um, you know, I had to work my ass off like two, three hours a day, just like I did as a football player to kind of like maintain my, my physique. And, um, yeah. And, and on top of that, like, I just wasn't feeling great. I, I had like arthritis at a really young age around that time, um, that I had blamed on, you know, 15 years of contact sports and, you know, was told it was something I had to live with. I had asthma since I was a really young kid. Um, I had a number of other like bodily issues that are quote unquote normal. Um, and yeah, I just, I just was waking up like my hands would hurt when I'd tie my shoes before I went to the gym. Um, it just wasn't, uh, I didn't feel good. So I finally like opened my way up my, myself up to like a new way of thinking, um, and kind of dropped like the high protein mentality and the way I had always looked at food. Um, so I sort of stumbled into, um, a plant-based diet through trial and error. I found some, I, I, I wish I knew the guy, I, I'd know the guy now, but I, I just stumbled upon him on like Instagram or social media. And he was a ripped up dude and looked amazing. And, uh, you know, was big into green smoothies. And, um, I was just like, all right, let me just like open myself up to a different way of doing this. And, uh, I switched out my breakfast for a green smoothie um, and that was really like the gateway drug to, um, plant-based, you know, I, I kind of went on this experimental run of if I felt as good as that green smoothie was making me feel, you know, all, all kinds of energy and better digestion and, um, just felt so much better working out and everything. Like it just felt so much better in my body than my normal eggs or whatever I was eating before. And, um, you know, if something didn't make me feel as good as that, I eliminated it. If, um, you know, it, it was on par with that smoothie or, or made me feel as good, I kept it in my diet. And, um, you know, probably six months later, I was by default, uh, by accident, plant-based. And, um, yeah, then six months later, all those health issues I mentioned earlier start going away. And it just led me to kind of question everything I was told, um, you know, over the past 25 years about 
um, you know, what is healthy and what foods we should be eating. And, um, yeah, and it really just proved to me that we have so much more control over our health than we have, uh, been led to believe. And, you know, food is the number one cause of disease and death on the planet. And, um, I don't think people understand that, you know, 90, 90 to 95%, depending on kind of how you interpret the science that is available to us is, is diet and, and lifestyle related diseases that kill us. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of been my journey. I, I started talking about it, digging, digging into, uh, nutritional science and, uh, just asking questions and, um, yeah. And then when it actually, you know, I, I was plant-based after all that and have been plant-based for seven years, but it probably took me another six months to a year to, um, you know, consider myself vegan. Um, and I kind of just naturally being in that world kind of connected to the bigger picture of, of animals and the planet and that sort of thing. And, um, yeah, man. So that's, that's kind of how I stumbled into it all. Yeah. It sounds pretty similar in terms of purpose for going veganism with me, where I wanted to see how it would affect my health. I mean, I was already, you know, a pretty healthy guy, but I wanted to see how it would affect lifting weights as I was into at the time. And I'm still into, and yeah, same, same kind of thing with you where, you know, now I'm the biggest, strongest I've ever been. I have more energy than before and mental clarity than before. And it is, it's crazy how much is spent within industries like the pharmaceutical industry and just, uh, medicine in general, how much is spent to keep people to be slaves to these industries and not take advantage of trying to shift their diet. And, you know, there's so much misinformation about veganism because of that. And veganism gets a really bad, bad rep. But I suppose I don't know the, the clear answer towards why veganism is still so uh, condemned, I guess, in society. What, what would be your opinion on that? Why do you think veganism is still seen as something unhealthy? If all of if all of these athletes like you, like me, are seeing such positive results from it, how could it possibly still be viewed in such a negative light? Yeah, man, I think, to be honest, I think, you know, people like to hear good things about their bad habits, right? And, you know, all you really need to do, especially from like a marketing standpoint as a uh, meat brand or a dairy brand, like all, all, all you really have to do is like cast doubt on the fact that, um, you know, you can live with, without animal products. And I think, you know, that's what the tobacco industry did for many, many years. It was just like, they, they just like did enough to, uh, reassure people that no, it's, it's not harming your health, you know? And I, and I think like we're in kind of a very similar phase with, with diet and, and with how, um, you know, the studies that come out that just, that just cast doubt on it. It's like, it's like most, most studies around meat, right. They don't, they don't show benefit to human health, right. They just kind of cast doubt on the fact that it will harm your health, you know? Um, and I think, 
that's kind of what we're in. And when you tell somebody that, you know, loves their eggs and bacon in the morning or their burger or whatever, you know, that, no, it's okay. It's not harming your health. Well, they're not going to, you know, take action on that. So I I also think that there's just a lot of, you know, misconceptions that still exist, um, unfortunately, despite what you said, despite, you know, top athletes in the world, um, you know, doing it in somehow the average person that does their one hour spin class a day thinks that like they need meat, but you know, like a professional football player gets away without it. So like, it's kind of funny on that front, but yeah, I just think it's, it's tradition and people like to be reassured that what they're currently doing, that is, uh, that they enjoy and is easy, um, is actually not as harmful as it actually is. Right. And most people, want to, I think one of the biggest aspects of it is being socially accepted and how important that is and wired into us as humans, you know, why we compare each other so much, why we want to be respected so much is because we crave to be socially accepted. And because veganism is still a relatively small thing, if you go vegan, there's a little bit of social outcast. I know I certainly experienced it with my friends. They, I I mean, they still like sometimes crack jokes, but especially at the start, you know, they're like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And that can really throw people off the path and really question if this is the right thing to do. Like if it's, if you're willing to sometimes not participate with, like food based events, but luckily more restaurants are coming around to the idea and like it is much more widely available in restaurants. But yeah, that whole social aspect of food, which is so deeply ingrained with us, the culture behind food, the feelings associated with eating certain foods and traditions around foods. It's just so, it's so difficult to dig up beliefs that are so deeply programmed within practically all of us since we were children. So it is, it is, it's a very, very tough process to get someone to actually want to start moving towards plant-based or veganism. What do you think is the best way to go about it? How, what's the best way to influence somebody to start going plant-based? Yeah, it's a good question, man. And I agree with you. I think like the social aspect is key. And I think like, you know, most people really do lack the self-confidence to do, uh, what is unpopular, uh, despite what they know. Um, so I think that is a big piece. I think like in my experience, um, I think I've kind of had, um, not that like I exist to like convince people, uh, to change the way they eat. I don't really like look at it that way. I'm just kind of like, I see myself more as, um, like I'm, I'm here if you ask and if you, if, if you want it, um, I'm happy to help and share my experience. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Uh, But what I, but what I've found is like, um, you know, just, just being an example, um, goes a lot further than anything I can say, you know, and in my, group of friends and in my family and, you know, the people I spend time with, you know, I'm, I'm going on year seven here and I am, you know, 
I was the I was the fittest and the the healthiest before I changed my diet, and I'm the, I'm the fittest and healthiest um, of of my group uh, today as well. And it's like, you know, my I spend zero time in a hospital. I spend zero time at a doctor's office. I am completely out of the medical system since the day I made this change. And that's coming from a kid who was previously, um, you know, had, had medications and had inhalers and things like that. And, um, you know, it, it, it really doesn't matter what I say if I kind of lead the life and I, I am this fit, strong example like people tend to come to you uh when you lead by example versus me trying to like convince the world so um i think just being an example is the best way to go about it i completely agree i i feel like i've influenced quite a few people that way and have never thought about influencing people through like like you said, trying to convince them and like pushing it on them. I think there's a time and place for activism and debating with people. And, you know, there's a lot of vegans who do that and do make a positive impact on the community and can influence people just as well as us to go vegan. Uh, But yeah, it's, it's just not something I would ever do. And that's something... I also want to highlight for people who aren't vegan, I feel like the stereotype of veganism also gives veganism a bad rep because most people think of like, (laughs) I don't even know, just a a really hippie type person, like a dude with long hair, a man bun and like, or is just like completely overreacting to some sort of animal torture treatment and like yelling at people. And like when people think of that, they're like, I don't want to become that. But there are, (laughs) there's so many misconceptions about what the type of, what types of people vegans are. And there are so many different types of us. So I'm glad that, you know, we're talking about that and, and you, you, you put that in there, but one thing you yeah, mean in, into, into chime in real quick. Like I, I used to be one of those people. Like I always say that, like I literally used to be the dude, like the, the meat eating football playing dude that thought vegans were like fucking wimps. Like that's, that's literally what I used to think. And I, I think the, the man upstairs or whoever that, you know, I, I have the confidence in open-mindedness to be open to doing things a different way. And it's changed my life, you know, but I, I get it. I, I used to be that dude, you know, less than a decade ago. So one thing I forgot to ask you when you were talking about the story of you switching your breakfast from like eggs or whatever to the green smoothie, what was in that smoothie? Um, You know, when I started, I was like trying to throw the entire kitchen sink in the thing. Like I was super hardcore about like getting everything in that morning smoothie, which I have since kind of changed and realized I don't need to like get every single nutrient in every single meal all the time. Uh, but when I first did it, I was doing like, you know, half the blender full of, of spinach, um, or kale or both. Um, I was doing frozen blueberries, frozen mango, 
uh, frozen fruits of, of any kind, really. Um, you know, I'd throw frozen strawberries, raspberries, uh, blackberries, all kinds of different berries. Um, I do banana. Um, I'd often put, uh, some ginger root, some, um, trying to think what else I put in there. Uh, I'd occasionally put in a beet, like an actual beet. Um, occasionally would put in some carrots, uh, some celery, uh, like literally I, I, I honestly, it probably back then it probably didn't like taste that good to be honest with you. <laughs> like I was throwing all kinds of stuff in there, but it was an absolute missile of 100%, you know, raw whole plant foods. Um, and it was really like, when I think back, it was like the first time in my life really that I had had such like a nutrient packed drink. And I had already switched like from dairy milk. So I was putting almond milk in it. So, um, I was kind of all set there. Um, and yeah, it, it has since evolved where I, I kind of make them taste good now. And it's like, might be blueberry ma mango, banana, and some spinach and some oat milk. And it, that just tastes much better than, you know, what I used to do. Uh, but yeah, that's, that first one is some, somewhere along the lines of what I said there. You know, Pat's smoothie recipe, it did sound really tasty, but it would have been a whole lot tastier and more nutritious had he had a scoop of Vivo Life protein. For those of you who don't know, I am an ambassador for a vegan supplement company called Vivo Life. They make the highest quality vegan supplements on the market, and there's a few reasons that their supplements stand out above the rest. All of their products are heavy metal tested, which is extremely important in the supplement industry. Most protein powders you consume or are consuming have heavy metals and you don't even know it. Their protein powder also comes added with turmeric extract and reishi mushroom, which have an extremely high antioxidant profile, and that is going to help aid recovery even further. And also, their protein powders are absolutely delicious. They're easier to digest because they are made with fermented protein. It makes you not bloat, and it just makes it much more digestible, so you won't get that stupid protein bloat that you usually get with most protein powders. And if you're going to choose a flavor, I recommend the salted maca caramel. That's my personal favorite. They also have every other vegan supplement you would need, like vitamin B12, vitamin D3, and omega-3s. They've got you covered with everything. And all of their supplements come in compostable packaging, so it's the most environmentally friendly company. And for every order placed, they also plant a tree, which is just an awesome perk. I've always been a huge fan of Evil Life, even before I became an ambassador, because there is truly no other all-vegan company making products like them. If you are interested in following a more plant-based diet, or you're a vegan wanting to improve their gym performance and recovery, you can go to their website, vivolife.com, that's V-I-V-O-Life.com, and use my discount code COL10 at checkout, that's C-O-L-E-10 with no spaces, and that will get you 10% off your entire order. All right, let's get back into the episode. That's awesome. Yeah, it sounds a lot like most people in my my beginner's journey to veganism, but I'm really glad that you brought it up because I want to talk about becoming more educated on veganism and, and doing a plant-based diet correctly because you know, a lot of people do 
quote unquote fail the diet and you know become ex vegan and becomes a big thing, much bigger than it needs to be. Why do you think that happens? First off, and then second off, how can one do it successfully? How can one become more educated on a plant based diet so that they make sure that they don't experience any deficiencies or negative health consequences? Yeah, I think with anything, first of all, like people need to understand, like, you know, if you come from like a traditional Western way of eating and then, you know, you're trying to go plant-based, you're literally completely changing um, how you eat. And there's going to be a period of time where you don't know what the fuck you're doing, right? Just like anything new you try. Um, And it takes time to understand like what you like taste wise, but also what your body likes. And um, it certainly took me uh, months until I really understood like what meals filled me up and what meals like gave me, you know, really nutrient dense um, meals that, uh, you know, made me feel my best. And like at first I was doing a lot of a lot of like chips and hummus because that was like one thing I knew was vegan. Um, luckily I like started with that smoothie. So that was like a, a huge, um, advantage. That was a really good meal to start my day. But outside of that, like I, I didn't, I didn't quite know how to do it. Um, and yeah, it it just, it just takes time. And today I eat like a ton of bowls. I feel like I do like bowls and wraps like most of the time. Uh, with like a layer of grains, a layer of greens, some vegetables, some hummus, uh, you know, like a good hot sauce or something, some beans, whatever. And, and it ends up in a bowl or it ends up in a wrap and it's like stupid simple, but like really full of good health promoting foods. Um, so I think it just takes time. I don't think there's like a right way. Um, I think, you know, there's people in parts of the world that eat a bunch of potatoes and carrots and, um, legumes and they are super healthy. And then there's people in other parts of the world that do a ton of grains and a ton of fruit and they're super healthy and successful at it. So, um, I think it can vary a ton in terms of like what, a a, a healthy plant-based diet is, but in terms of like people going, uh, vegan and then, uh, you know, going back to adding animal products in, I think one, they either, you know, didn't do it properly. Um, they didn't, uh, have enough like nutrient dense, dense foods, whether that's, they were doing a bunch of like processed vegan foods, um, or whatever. Um, but I also think like, a lot of people that go plant-based and maybe this is like a little controversial, but a lot of, a lot of people that go vegan or plant-based, um, or, or, or are trying different diets in general. Um, you know, there's some deeper issues I think that need to be worked out that are not food related. I mean, food is only one piece of the puzzle in a big puzzle of leading a, a healthy life. And, um, you know, if you have, negative thoughts and you sleep like shit and you don't, you know, get out for some exercise every day. Like the food can only do so much. And I think with people going like back to adding animal products, they're, they're blaming 
um, other issues on the food when they haven't kind of like figured out the other pieces that go into leading a, you know, well-rounded, healthy life. So that that's my take on like people that uh, switch back is, is they, they think everything's about the food when it's not all about the food. Mm-hmm, definitely. I've, I've definitely seen a lot of people who, yeah, they blame all their problems on them being plant-based and, you know, I've almost caught myself doing that in the past too, when I've been like, if I've felt like lethargic or just not at my best, I'm like, oh shit, is it like, is it like me going plant-based like at the start? But then I realized like, what, what are, what are the other aspects of my life look like, which are all so incredibly important? Like, am I overworking myself with working on the computer, spending eight hours a day behind a screen is not good for my brain uh, or my mental health? Uh, I, am I sleeping enough? You know, am I, I'm smoking weed every single day. I'm drinking alcohol on the weekends, but yeah, people are very quick to, to blame that for, for their other problems that they're having. And yeah, yeah, that's a, it's a good thing to point out for sure. Um, do you have any specific resources for people if they want to get more educated, like a, a specific resource online to look at to, to like for them to start as a beginner? Yeah. I always kind of point people towards, um, again, if it's like health, uh, driven, I always point people towards nutritionfacts.org. Um, just because I think like it's a really good way to like learn about all the, the science we have on nutrition and like, you know, get real information from the real studies we have available to us and make decisions for yourself. And, you know, you, you can literally on there type in blueberries, you can type in saturated fat, you can type in peanuts in, in, you know, there'll be videos, there'll be blogs, there'll be all kinds of stuff on, you know, what the science is around that food. And I think if you, uh, you know, objectively look at it, um, that, you know, that's one of the places I start, like I read, I read the book, how not to die. Uh, for those that don't know, that is by the same, um, guy that runs nutritionfacts.org. Um, and it, it, it breaks down the, the, the top 15 leading causes of death on earth and why are the foods we eat cause all of them. Um, and it, it's, it's very clear scientifically that, you know, the more plants you have in your diet, um, you know, the less chronic disease you have and, and the longer you live. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean 100% plant-based, but um, it certainly means like 90 plus percent. Um, so yeah, that's, I think that's a great place to start. Like, don't take my word for it. Don't take Google's word for it. Don't take, you know, any influencer's word for it. Just go to a place like that. Um, and, and familiarize yourself with like all the science that we have available, you know, and, and maybe even also check out, uh, the blue zones, which is kind of another way to look at, um, food and lifestyle, 
um, in, in more of a holistic manner and including both the food and the other factors um, that lead to a healthy life. Sweet. Yeah, I'll definitely leave links to those in the the show notes or the, the description of this episode. So you have your own business now, Plant Pub, which is, well, a plant-based pub in Boston. What sparked the the inspiration for that? Or I guess like, well, what made you want to start that? And what were you doing before that? Have you always had like an entrepreneurial spirit? Yeah. Yeah. So I like at 22, I left my first job out of school, uh, like after three months, you know, it just, it just was not for me. I, I had kind of always had like a crystal clear goal in life, you know, whether that was graduate high school or make the team or, uh, you know, get to the end of summer and start school again, get A's, whatever. Like it was always like very crystal clear goals that I was working towards. Um, and then like my first job, like I just found myself, my only, my only real goal in life was to get to 5 PM to get the hell out of there. And, um, I just didn't like that. I, I, I had no reason, uh, to kind of bounce out of bed in the morning, no reason to get excited. Um, and that's just me. I know that's not everybody. Um, so I, I kind of naturally was drawn to like starting my own thing and having my own goals and, you know, a reason to really get excited when I, uh, woke up in the morning and, um, I had had an idea while I was in college for a dating app. Um, and that is, was my first business that I started, um, in 2013, um, right around the time, like Tinder and like all the major dating apps you see today. Um, we're just starting or, you know, I hadn't even heard of Tinder when I started, uh, building mine. Um, so I did that from 2013 to 2000, beginning of 2016. Uh, we launched it in Boston initially. Um, I had no idea what I was doing from a business standpoint, no idea what I was doing from a technology standpoint. (laughs) You know, I was just figuring things out as I went and, you know, had the, had the passion and the, the drive to just get it to a place that was, you know, a functioning, decent product um, and something that worked and solved the problem that I was trying to solve, Um, which was really, it was like a hyper-local version of Tinder. So it was kind of like how to meet the person or break the ice with with the person in the room. Um, And kind of like the genesis of it was like, as a college kid, like I always had like a semester where there was somebody in my, you know, business 101 class that, you know, I was interested in. Right. And I'd go the entire semester without saying a damn thing. And I was like, wow, there should be like a way to find out if there's some mutual attraction, uh, so that either of us both have the balls to do something about it. Um, so that was really the, the premise, whether you were, were at a bar or on the train or in, a classroom or wherever you could find out kind of in your immediate vicinity, like who is also um, interested in you and then, you know, be able to facilitate that connection, you know, in real time right there. Um, So anyway, that led me to, uh, that led me to Singapore, believe it or not, where I, um, for a few months was going back and forth um, and a company over there bought it that 
has a bunch of dating agencies and uh, dating products over there. Um, so it was really like a serendipitous, really lucky, um, fun time and experience in my life. And then when I came back, um, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I knew a guy that locally, uh, from my hometown, um, that just left his job. He's an older guy, um, and wanted to get into craft beer. Um, and he has this background. He was the original brewer for Harpoon Brewery here in Boston, which is, um, one of the, I think top 20 largest craft breweries, um, in the U S and he was like the original brewer there. You know, he made kind of all their famous beers like back in the late eighties and was kind of like a, uh, an OG, if you will, in, in craft beer. And one of the first people who actually was making that style of beer and, um, anyway, we, uh, I ran into him one day, uh, when I was leaving Boston, um, on the boat back down to where I live and he started talking about it. And I'm like, I'm doing nothing. And, um, we, we teamed up and, and that was kind of like my next venture was a craft brewery that is uh, still open here South of Boston. Um, and around that time, like the first year of that is when I, you know, had my transformation to plant-based and, what I loved about the craft beer scene um, was it's a very welcoming, like tap rooms and, and breweries. They're they're very welcoming places. It, it was one of the only places I would see like the twenty one year old like hip dude wanting to try like the you know the latest IPA right next to the sixty five year old beer drinking dude with a gut right next to the family of five with their dog. Um, and it, it was just like, no matter where you came from or like what your preferences were, um, or how trendy you were or whatever, it seemed to like be an approachable, welcoming space, um, for people of all backgrounds. So I was like, wow, wouldn't that be cool if you could create that same environment, uh, but do it a hundred percent plant-based, right. And, and create that welcoming space that, um, is totally approachable whether you're, again, the, the, the blue collar dude or the vegan kind of trendy, you know, 18 year old. Um, and that's really like what plant pub is about. It's like welcoming people into plant-based, you know, we don't, uh, have any like weird things. Like there's no weird colors or Buddhas on the wall or like hippie stuff at all. Like it's very meant to be kind of, kind of masculine leaning, and it's like, look, it's, it's, it's burgers and beer, it's pizza and beer. It's, it, it's good food you're familiar with. Um, and, and we're not trying to like be a juice bar or a smoothie bar or anything like that. Like we're giving people awesome pub food. It just happens to be a little better for you. Um, and obviously way better for the world. And that's really what, what it's all about is in, and, and that's what I've found over the years. It's like, you know, people are not going to change their habits if they have to give out their give up their their night out with their spouse or their buddies or their friends. Um, coming back to that social piece, I think that is what needs to be solved. And and I also think like, you know, we we attract um, somebody that would not walk into a, a health food concept or would not walk into like a salad concept or anything like that. In it might be like their first time ever tasting plant-based food. 
Um, and it just kind of like opens them up to the possibility of, of what, what they can eat and in what things are, um, in, in, in what like life might look like if they eliminated animal products from their diet. So that's plant pub, man. Um, it's just all about, you know, creating a, a welcoming, approachable place for everybody, no matter where you are kind of on your health journey or, or awareness journey. Man, that is so perfect. So genius because it's something I've never thought about before with, you know, the welcoming aspect of most vegan places. Every vegan place I know of within my area is nothing like that. It's like either a sit down vegan restaurant with like pretty upscale food or like just the complete opposite where it's like junk fast food, but there's no, like it's, it's, there's, there's no, there's no aspect to it where it's like, this is where anybody could go and like sit down and chill and chat. And that's what I think you've really got down. And that it's such, that's such a huge concept. I think for the community, now that you've explained it, it really, really does make sense to produce more places like that. So all I can say is thank you for that. That's it's that's a really incredible business. And that could be huge to, if we see more places like that opening up, it could be huge to <clears throat> convincing more people because of the, the whole social aspect of it, which I think is such such a big part in it. But yeah. For sure, man. For sure, for sure, yeah. Just to, just to like follow up on that, I think like like this is a concept that this is a plant based concept that can kind of like fit into um, non traditional areas. Like, it doesn't have to be in L.A. or Manhattan to to work. Right. You know, I think we're like a concept that can, you know, maybe replace a Buffalo Wild Wings or an Applebee's and and maybe fit into kind of um, you know some of the kind of middle America areas and not just be like in major, you know, liberal cities. Um, yeah. So I think like that's super important for like people outside of those major cities, which is most of the country mm -hmm. uh, to provide them with an option that they feel comfortable going into. Um, yeah. So I think, I, I hope that's what we can become as we do more of them. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. How did you, how did you learn how to start a business and how to how to get into entrepreneurship? Because I have a lot of young people on my YouTube channel who listen to this and they they really want to know how to like just like start building a business and they don't they don't know where to start or like what business is the right business to start. What what is the guidance you would give to someone like that? Yeah, I would say, um, I guess to kind of give an analogy of, of something like I've, I've done recently, which is, which is learn to swim over the past couple of years. Like step one is like, you got to jump in the damn pool, like number one. Um, and, and you're never going to like have all the answers or know how things work until you actually do them. And, and you're not going to know what, like, you know, how you're supposed to take a swim stroke if you don't start taking a bunch of swim strokes the wrong way, and then you, you realize that that doesn't work, and then and then you gotta, 
you know, you don't learn how to kick properly and your body position properly until you kind of learn how, what doesn't work. So like, number one is like, like just jumping in and starting, um, and you're going to make a ton of mistakes. And obviously you can sidestep some of those mistakes, um, you know, by finding somebody that's kind of walked your path before and in learning from them and asking them questions and things like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I would just say like begin and also on top of that to, um, think long-term, like think in five years and 10 years. Um, I know we live in the world of, of crypto and NFTs and tech unicorns and like people seemingly, you know, getting to uh, a successful place fast. And I don't think that's like uh, reality at all. Um, you know, you, you, you got to start in, in at least a, like a mistake I've made over the past decade as a young entrepreneur is, um, you know, I've bailed too soon when things have gone wrong or we have run out of money, um, or all the problems you're inevitably going to face as a, as a startup. Um, and the more you can just get through the problems and, if you have a 10 year view instead of a one year view, um, you know, the road bumps are a lot easier and more manageable because you're really committed to the long term. So dive in and just fully commit and don't bail when a bunch of things go wrong. Um, but also you, you need to make sure that, um, you know, the business makes sense from like a logical standpoint. And I don't think like you need, a business plan or you need financial projections or anything, but like, it's gotta make sense. You know, like if you're like pooper scooper for your dog, like contraption thing, like, like maybe that's just a bad idea. That's probably a horrible example, but a lot of people just have bad ideas in, um, you know, then, then kind of the long-term approach maybe doesn't work so much. So there's like a logic to it, but then there's like a jump in, figure it out and just commit to the long term. Um, and, and that's what I would say. It's all about like perseverance and it's all about just learning as you go and dealing with the problems that inevitably come. And the only reason I feel like I've, you know, have, have had some level of success is because I'm, I'm just persistent and, and I won't quit and I won't stop. And uh, it has way less to do with like my mental whatever, or like my business skills and way more to do with just like committing and sticking with it and fighting through problems and, um, yeah. And just continuing onward. Um, so that, that's what I got. Yeah. Without a doubt. I, I agree on my end as well. The only reason that I am above average with my video making skills now with YouTube, which is really like my main thing, my main business is because I just did it so many times over and over consistently. And I was that persistent and I didn't quit even though I wasn't seeing anything from it for the first three years, the first three years of YouTube, you know, I, I tell this story all the time, but first three years of YouTube, I had you know, uh, I wasn't making any money off of it. I made $0 off of it besides driving some traffic to my coaching website. 
but as far as like making a YouTube video and making like money off the ads, I wasn't running ads for the first three years because I wasn't monetized because there's certain requirements you need on YouTube to get monetized. And most people would just give up three years on YouTube and not making any money. Like this isn't working. This isn't worth it. I don't know if this is ever going to work. It would raise a lot of doubts in people. And, you know, I had, I had doubts as well. I, uh, because it was so long that I wasn't producing any like serious exponential results. I like, I questioned it a little bit, but deep down, I knew this is what I wanted to do. I knew I loved making videos. I knew I loved filming, filming and editing. And, you know, I feel like there's something like that in everybody when they find it, like, even if that thing isn't your career yet, you, you can't make a career out of it yet. There should be something within you that is kind of just like, it's, it's kind of a gut feeling an intuitive feeling like, yeah, this is, this is going to work out eventually. If I just keep doing it, this is the right thing for me to do. At least I have that sort of intuition within myself, but because I had that, you know, I kept going and ate shit for years. wasn't making, yep. wasn't making good money at all, like less than minimum wage. And up until literally last year in the summer, you know, I, w I was making <laughs> just, uh, just barely enough to continue living <laughs> in a, in a relatively sustainable way. And then finally, like one video took off and then my video, my channel just snowballed and got the momentum. And now, you know, I can live comfortably, comfortably, but that would have never happened had I not just kept doing the same thing over and over practicing it and trying to get at least 1% better every single time that I did it every single time that I filmed, you know, I was like, how can I make this a little bit better than it was last time? How can I add a new filming technique or B-roll or whatever? And editing, like, you know, I would look up an editing tutorial on YouTube, which by the way, you know, you can learn practically anything on YouTube, of course. Uh, but, you know, I'd apply that and I'd also just fuck around in the editing softwares and on my camera too, just mess with the settings, see what works the best. It's like, how much information do you need to take in about a certain subject before you just decide to fucking start already? Cause that's how you really learn at something. That's what I truly believe. Like, yeah, like, like you said, like, yeah, you can learn if we're going back to this swimming analogy, you can learn so much about exactly how to swim in the technique and like how to position your body or everything you need to do. But the only way to actually learn a lot and faster is to do the thing and do the thing repeatedly consistently more than other people. That's how you will reach a level of success in something. And, you know, unfortunately, most people listening to this will hear that and they still, they still will just quit or they just won't take the action. But that's, you know, I've talked to so many entrepreneurs, people like you, and that's, that is the thing that is what they all say to, you know, start, then learn, don't learn, then start. A hundred percent agree, man. And, and I think too, like, I guess kind of like back to advice, like for 
the young entrepreneur, it's like, you gotta, I think most, like most young people, um, unfortunately, like they, 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 they care too much about what others think. And that influences, influences kind of like what they do. Like, you know, like, like what you just explained, like, you know, you ate shit for three, four years, right? Like I have eaten shit for six years. You know what I mean? And, you know, I, I still don't feel like I've, I've done close to anything, you know? Um, and, 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 you know, I, I think like the 23, 24 year old kids need to stop like, you know, caring about like showing their friends, they live in like the apartment in the nice apartment in, you know, downtown and they have a nice car and like, you know, I think like it really comes down to like being willing to eat shit for a long time and, you know, living at home and like doing all the things you need to do as a young entrepreneur to make it happen, you know? And, and I think there's like with Instagram and social media, there's just this perception that like, you know, everything happens overnight and, um, that's just not the reality of it. For sure. Yeah. No, I think patience is, I don't know if it's becoming less or it's becoming more obsolete, but I think people's attention spans could be dwindling because of social media and, you know, especially TikTok, which is a platform I have a lot of negative feelings about, even though there's a lot of opportunity, a lot of opportunity on it. <laughs> yeah, but I hear you. Yeah. I mean, all of those things come together to influence people like, I can't wait for this. I have to have this now because look at the 16-year-old TikToker who's making a million dollars a year already. It's like, this is like a one in a million chance and it's so not realistic and most people to get to the success where they've been at have been working their ass off for like years and years behind the scenes. And it's just really what, separates most people from like being successful quote unquote is just their unwillingness to give up basically i mean it's it's pretty corny and it's cliche but it's pretty damn true but um no doubt we don't have much time left i don't want to take up too much of your time either uh but what is the best piece of advice that you've been given to help keep your mental health in general, just your overall overall mental health stable and more positive? Ooh, uh, that's a great question. I don't know if it's like advice I've given, I've been given or just things I've learned, but I would say for, for my mental health, there, there's two things. One is like creating momentum in your life and in, uh, what I mean by that is kind of like, um, stringing together days, stringing together good days, you know, like for me, like if I do my, you know, breath work in the morning, if I work out that day, if I, you know, eat at least, you know, two, one or one or two meals that are like really good for me. Right. Then I get a good night's sleep right? And I just string together days and days and days like that. 
Um, you know, it's really hard to be, it's hard to be in a bad place mentally when you're breathing every day, you're working out every day. And it's like, you're constantly kind of like, you know, doing those uplifting, like state changes that make you feel good throughout the day. If you can just continue to string those together and, and gain momentum and you continue to, th- then it becomes easier and easier and easier. Um, so I would say that, and then also just how you, how you speak to yourself. Um, and I always like give the advice, like, you know, if you're having a rough day or you're having, uh, a struggle of some kind, like in your best friend or your mom was, was in the room, like how, how would they react? And that's how you should react to you. Um, and, and, you know, give, give yourself some, some compassion and, uh, you know, never, never talk down to yourself, never put yourself down because, you know, the words you say, um, out loud, but in your head as well. Um, I very much believe they, they, they count and they, they mean things and they, they, your body hears them. And if you're constantly talking down to yourself, if you're, you know, you know, like I have buddies where they call themselves fat fucks and they, you know, like just talk down to themselves. And it, it's just such a, it's such like a toxic thing. And, and I think it really breeds like, um, lack of self-confidence and anxiety and stress and all those things. So I would say string together things that make you feel good throughout the day and day after day after day, as much as you can, and then be kind to yourself and, and talk to yourself as if you're talking to your best friend. Um, those are two things I try to do. That's great. And yeah, the, the second thing you talked about was something I talk about so much on my channel about how much the words you hear on a daily basis from other people, what Mm. they tell you about yourself and the way you speak to yourself, how it affects your beliefs and your reality and what you think you're capable of. It's, Mm -hmm. that's really, it's, it's one, I don't know if there's anything more important than that towards like feeling happy and being successful, whatever that means to you in your life. So yeah, great tips. And the last question I want to ask you, I actually got this from the Tim Ferriss podcast. I don't know if you listen to it, but I ask it at the end of pretty much all my podcasts. And that is, if you had the ability to put up a billboard everywhere in the world for, I mean, like everybody to see basically, and it could only have like one phrase or sentence on it, what would it be and why? Wow. That, that's a great question. And, and I, I don't listen to the Tim Ferriss show, at least not enough to know that question. Um, wow. You know, I think I would, I mean, it's probably cliche and I'm sure, I'm sure everybody says it. It, it would be something like something around the golden rule. Um, it would probably just be love one another, to be honest with you. And yeah, I think, I think at the end of the day, um, you know, that only, not only does that keep you well and healthy, but that keeps others well and healthy. Um, and, and I think the world would be a better place, you know, like when I give love to someone else or when I support someone else, 
like I get more out of that than the person receiving it does. Um, and I think the more people realize that, um, and realize that, you know, there's a reason why, you know, billionaires, when, when they have a huge level of success that they then dedicate their lives to helping others, because at the end of the day, whether you, um, you know, have, have a billion dollars and are super successful or, you know, you, you live very simply, um, you know, what is going to fulfill you and bring you joy and fulfillment and purpose to your life is helping others and loving others. And that's, what's going to, speaking of mental health, that's, what's going to keep you well, um, and feeling good and also helping others and, and passing that along. And I think, you know, if we can do that more in our day to day, that the world will simply be a better place. End of story. Very, very well said there. Great way to end it off. Pat, thank you so much again for deciding to do this and excellent talk. It was excellent to finally meet you and talk with you. Do you want to explain where people can find you? Just like plug your social medias. For sure. Yeah. And, and thanks again, Cole, for having me. And, uh, I've enjoyed starting to follow your stuff and, uh, we'll continue to. So, so thanks for having me. Um, so I am at eat green, make green, um, across all social media, eatgreenmakegreen.com, um, is where you can find like all my podcast episodes and things like that. The pod, my podcast is on all podcast platforms. Um, and then if you're in the Boston area, uh, plantpub.com. Um, and at Plant Pub across social media as well. Sweet. All right. Thanks, Pat. Thank you, man.